Welcome to Potadelphia, and this is uh, this is sort of a different kind of show for everyone today. Uh, how are you tonight? I'm good. I'm I'm uh, hanging out with you for a bit. Fourth quarter is about to start. I'm going to go on mute. You're going to talk. Gene's going to join. You guys, Potadelphia is going to lead us into uh, the end of this game. We're going to have a bunch of people on live stream interacting with you. As soon as the game's over, this will become the post game live stream. You guys will help run it. We'll talk to the coach. We'll talk to the players. It's a crossover episode. Sounds, sounds great. Um, uh, You know, Sixers tonight, uh, you know, really just came out of the, came out of the gates uh, pretty hot from, from beyond the arc and just really haven't looked back. So it's been a pretty enjoyable game to watch, especially coming off of, uh, Sunday night stinker, both for the Sixers and the uh, and the Flyers. So um, it's been it's been a fun night to watch the Sixers tonight, uh, especially on a night when uh, Ben Simmons is named to the All Star game, and they really just look like they're clicking on all cylinders against a uh, against an Eastern Conference rival. So just sit back and, and enjoy the fourth quarter, and you know we'll see what unfolds here. Yeah, I know you guys tend to do a lot of hockey stuff. Let me see if you can see. See that behind me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, I was having a long conversation with with another media member about uh, cities, their weather, and their sports fans. And I truly mm-hmm. believe that only bad weather cities have great sports fans and yet i looked at the nhl attendance statistics in the last full season with fans um the lightning had more fans in their in their uh arena than the flyers did no idea how that's true what's going on there well good will always uh always generate more excitement than than really anything else and you know when your team is hot the city just has no matter where they are, ha- have a certain energy to it. I mean, I would suspect the the San Diego Padres this baseball season are going to have spectacular attendance, you know, depending on how many people they let through the gate based on COVID and everything, because that's an exciting team. And, you know, Fernando Tatis, in a city that traditionally does not have great attendance for that sport. So Tampa Bay Lightning, I mean, that's year in and year out. They, they put a, a, consistent pro- a consistent contending product uh, on the ice for I guess the past decade or so. So uh, you know, no surprise that the, you know they've generated a pretty exciting fan base there. So yeah, I, I mean I, you know winning will know. always pull out. Yeah, but it's seventy five degrees. Why would you go inside to watch people play on ice? It's the novelty, man. <laughs> yeah, novelty. I get novelty. So you go to a game once a year, maybe. How are maybe, they gen- how are they how are they drawing nineteen thousand fans every night? I don't understand it. I don't know. But don't know. hey, but look. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the cold weather thing, man. There's just uh, the cold weather cities do generate the best yeah. fan bases for sure. Cold, gray, rainy, shitty weather, great fans. It's just <laughs> those two things are connected. It sure is. And it's a, I'm not I'm not uh this is not a critique on on good weather cities. 
It's like, go do something else. Of course you're going to go do something else. Why wouldn't you do San right. Diego? Like of all the things you could do in San Diego, going to a baseball game. I don't, I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't know, man. Maybe if you live there, it's a, it's a different feel. I've never, I've never experienced living in a <laughs> pleasant area. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you go to like a Dodger to me, or uh, I think Dodger stadium is baseball heaven, right? It's the, it's the greatest place on the planet to watch a baseball game. But the LA fans, they show up in the third inning. They leave in the seventh inning. They get their Instagram photo for, for, um, for someone not from LA. It's like amazing. It's such an amazing place to watch a game. But if you're from LA, like I just can think of a hundred different things. You yeah, is that is that LA vibe or is that strictly traffic related? I think it's just LA vibe. Like, yeah, you're gonna go do five different things, right? And uh, and the night starts later, um, so you're gonna stop at Dodger Stadium. You're gonna, you know, hang out there for an hour or so, and then you're gonna go do a different thing, and you're gonna have hiked or run or surfed or you know been in Santa Monica or done a, a, a, sure. all of the things you can do when it's 75 degrees out yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know drive so, the pacific coast highway just for fun just uh, all of the things that, that having super nice weather we get that weather what you know 30 days a year we yeah, get like perfect weather sure. are you those are the days i call out of work sick yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i hear you those are not days i'm like ooh. Is there a baseball game I can go sit down for three hours and watch? Yeah, yeah. Um, the the the switch from uh, from cold to oppressive humidity exactly. is a pretty fast flip. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it really is. Um, all right, so Toronto, this, this Toronto's trying to make a game of this now. It's their defense really does give the Sixers problems, and it doesn't show up maybe in the uh, in the totals, but. Yeah. They're able to play this switching recovery defense that forces the Sixers into five, six passes per possession. They get deep in the shot clock. The tension starts to build late in that shot clock mm -hmm. so that, that technically that's an open shot, but it feels less comfortable. Is there something that other teams it can't seem to replicate what they do to really shut down Embiid because this is like another, another game where Embiid's, you know, getting frustrated, I think. Yeah. I, I don't, I think there are a couple of guys in the league that just understand how close they can stand to him, uh, guard mm -hmm. him. Yeah. Without, and they're big enough to not get beat off the dribble. Um, by him if they get too close and there's a lot of the smaller guys just they have to find that balance of uh they can't back off too far they'll get a shot over them and there are just a few guys marcus soul not fast but big baines is a big body just strong enough there's just a few and they double immediately they yeah. they, they double while the ball's in the air and he sees it, so while the ball's coming to him, he's already uncomfortable. Um, there's certainly a book, and a lot of people try it. 
but it's it's very interesting to see consistently the teams that manage to make him uncomfortable. It's it's very interesting. Yeah. Did um did is did Doc uh, guess right today with Corkmaz in the starting lineup, or uh, was this a calculated move? I think they had a game plan, and Seth Curry was a late scratch, so they needed okay. next man up in that role. Right, and uh, they just sort of have guys in that role, and I, you know, and it worked out. I think, yeah, and they're probably not trying to overwhelm Isaiah Joe, so you keep Isaiah Joe sort of in the role that he was Sunday, even though he played more, I think Sunday than he has tonight. Um, so you just take the more veteran guy and throw him in the starting lineup. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It just it it feels like they had a very specific game plan that they've walked into, uh, in with, and Seth being a late, a late scratch just made Cork Boz the guy. Yeah. And I guess the, uh, the numbers game kind of evened out from the third quarter on Sunday to the first quarter tonight. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, in terms of shots just falling. I mean, it just seemed like Sunday night was like a nightmare. <laughs> Watching that, that game was, wind down. It was uh Yeah, they dominated the glass. The Raptors tried to get cute, play really small. Sixers just completely dominated them on the glass. They put in uh Baines mm-hmm. and Bede never got comfortable. Yeah. And then the Raptors just that small ball lineup adjusted. Played the Sixers evenly on the glass for the rest of the game. Um, and then they're just their speed and their ability. I, it's funny that they're called the Raptors because because I think <laughs> I I don't I, I don't really remember those movies very well. But wasn't there like a scene in Jurassic Park where there's a T-Rex and then there's all the little Velociraptors that just yeah, well, that's swarm. the uh, that's the closing scene of the first one, you know. Uh, well, that's that's kind of how this plays out, right? Embiid is the T Rex, and you got all these little wings just swarming all over him, doubling yeah. him every second. In the He's movie, though, that T Rex takes care of business. Oh, so hopefully well, we'll, we have we'll the see same how tonight goes. <laughs> I mean, the other night, the T Rex did not take care of business. No, no, T Rex did, did not. He did not. <laughs> it's a bad turnover there. Oh, you may be a little bit ahead of me. I think I'm right on time. I think mine is like right. Oh, really? I mean, I'm sitting here, so I think yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. That was a bad turnover. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you never do play by play on a live yeah. stream. Yeah, no for one, sure. No one is on uh, exactly the same same time. So how how how slighted should Tobias feel about not being named to the All Star game? I'm not too I'm not too bent bent about it. Um. So yeah, this is a big conversation for Keith Pompey and Kai Carlin and I on our way here today. We talked about who would who would it be, Ben or Tobias? And the, I just think that. Um, Tobias it benefits from all of the things that the two stars do. It creates, yeah. he becomes the third thing the other team has to think about. 
And for that reason, if you're reliant on other people doing the thing for you so that you can be your best, then it's hard to it's hard to get too worked up about a guy not making the uh, the All Star game. Yeah. In my opinion, you know, it's like the other two who guys. Who if you if you, like, who do you feel would have been the the All Star that would have been left out? Like, who who would Tobias replace on the All Star team? Oh, I have to go back through the list because that just came out while I've been here. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, go go through the list of reserves I, I for look. me. Yeah, let me bring it up. Let me bring it up. NBA Soft Star Reserves. List. Okay, you got Jalen Brown, um, Harden, Tatum, Levine, Julius Randle, Simmons, and Vucevic. So Randall, you you acknowledge he's had a breakout year. Um, yeah. But uh, and Ben Simmons is in as a forward here. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Uh, yeah, it's like it's the it's a real debate. I. I don't have a strong opinion on. I think he's no. A I mean, like if you're in the if you're in the Tobias should have made it camp. You gotta gotta convince me which one of these guys he should replace. Yeah, I think it, I I think it's hard to argue that he makes it over any of those guys. But I do think he's probably the first injury replacement. Yeah, sure. So sure. if any of these guys would rather rest, I think he gets the call. Yeah. So. You know, ultimately, this might not matter. This might be a Tuesday, you know, a week and a half before the, the All-Star game type of conversation right. that just doesn't matter on March 7th at all because he probably is in uniform. Yep. All right. Hey, Gene. What's up, Gene? How's it going, guys? Good. Good. So I'm going to, now that Gene's here, I'm going to drop out. You guys keep running. I'll be right back as soon as this game's over. Six minutes left in the game. I'll be back right as soon as it's over, and we'll do some post-game stuff. Sounds right. good. Sounds good, man. Enjoy. Gene, glad you got here safely. Uh, hands at 10-2 and two all the way here. Yep. Yeah, man. Just making sure I avoided all the uh, all the puddles now. <laughs> the ice. Now it's puddles. Yeah, yeah. What were yeah. you guys rapping about? Uh, how great Furkan Korkmaz is? <laughs> well, we talked a little about uh, uh, Furkan uh, in the lineup today. We talked a little uh, all-star uh, snubbing, maybe, of, uh, of Tobias Harris and, you know, who who he would possibly have to uh, bump out if, you know, if you, if you wanted him to make the team. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm just talking about a nice performance coming off of a, a real Sunday stinker. Um, but, yeah, Toronto really is, is – trying their darndest to make a game out of this. Yeah, I mean, Toronto seems like they're sort of that team that just they're not the type to just sort of roll over. I don't know if that's a combination of, of their particular skill set against um, against um, uh, against this particular Sixers team or or what. But uh, uh, Sarah's asking if uh, where we can find the podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
it's a good thing that we brought that up because you can always find this podcast <laughs> on Twitter at Potadelphia. Very important <laughs> to note. We're always there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, we're, we're kind of just uh, checking out the last the last quarter here of the Sixers game. And, you know, do you, do you want to talk a little bit about your experience Sunday night? Uh, we can. Um, I mean, I was just saying how refreshing it is watching this game and a, a strong Sixers performance, particularly in the first quarter, coming off of what was a miserable Philadelphia Sports Sunday. Yeah, I mean, the whole combination of Philadelphia Sports Sunday was was not not fun. Um, but I, I I sort of dug into the Sixers early because of the delays in the Flyers game. So uh, I kept I kept just hoping that because of the way the lineups were laid out, because Toronto was shorthanded that at some point the Sixers were going to go on that run that was just going to put Toronto away. Uh, and it just, it just never happened. And then as we got into the second half, uh, Toronto seemed to just look stronger and stronger and stronger. Well, nothing was going down. And then this no, I, Boucher I cat started hitting everything. And I had never even heard of that guy before Sunday night or, or if I heard about him, I, I certainly didn't pay him any attention other than like, Hey, maybe he's the water boy. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't think I've seen a Sixers team have such bad shot luck. I, I, literally, just things that you see Joel Embiid hit night after night after night were just rimming off or rimming out. It, it, it was almost as if there was, I, I think as you had said, that maybe they were trick rims or something. Because it, it just seems like we could not get any sort of a gentle. A yeah, gentle everything hit. did that. Everything had that kind of shot to it where, you know, it hit the back of the rim, then it hit the front of the rim and then would roll out. So I don't know. It was, it really was. So, you know, obviously the ball had the correct rotation on it. It, it just was just rotten luck. It's, it felt like going down the stretch. And then you'd flip over to the Flyers game. And while everything looked very beautiful there. Yeah. Yeah, it looked <laughs> it looked really nice as far as like pictures were concerned. Yeah, um, it looked really nice in ter- terms of like foliage and seeing uh, people in canoes, and um, you know, you almost wanted to hear like the Masters theme playing over it. Um, but then they decided to play a hockey game. Uh, and, well, one team did. Yeah, one team did. Well, for like a period, it seemed like. They yeah, were- no, no, we were there. We had the lead after the first period, right? Uh, I think it was tied. It was at two, two one. No, yeah. yeah. I think it was tied at two after one. But um, Chuck's not here to correct me, so we're going to go and tie <laughs> it at one. Uh, can we stop? Can we stop scheduling these games during the day and that's, pretending like we're going to be able to to pull that off? That's uh, very frustrating um, because you would think that they would have learned by now. I guess they're looking for a particular backdrop, but it doesn't. It doesn't help the players. It doesn't help the ice. It doesn't help uh, the viewers who tune tune in on time and have to wait an hour and a half for the game to start. Um, it really doesn't help anybody who was a fan of the Avalanche or um, the oh, Golden Knights game resumed like at midnight Eastern time. Um, yeah, I mean, fortunately for them, you know, it's a, it's a, it was a Western Conference game, so you know that's nine o'clock for their fans. Not not too bad uh but yeah that's ridiculous if you were trying to watch that on the east coast and you're like okay well, we're well, gonna I, resume I, this game at midnight okay isn't sort of the whole point like to bring in fans that might not traditionally watch those sure games? with those outdoor games yeah that's what you want to see um 
man, the Sixers are definitely trying to hold this team off. Yeah, like really, man. Right I don't know. And, like, and uh, I, I heard during the broadcast this is to decide the season series between the Sixers and the Raptors. Is that is this the last time we play the Raptors this season? Either that, or there there would be no way they could catch. Like this would give us like enough wins that they wouldn't be able to. Oh, okay. Or, yeah. You know, uh, but uh, they made it sound like whoever won this game would would win the season series. So awesome. I look at that. And I get it. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it's it's it's one of those things that's sort of uh, sort of frustrating. Um, you know, when you watch basketball and you <laughs> most of the first half, you're like, man, where'd the time go? And then you get into the second half, and it's like, Jesus, <laughs> long four minutes. Of my life, my it is father, so so telling. Like, I mean, always- it is just so telling about the sport that yeah, you know how it's such a game of runs that you know the, the Sixers were up twenty one points in the second quarter at one point, and you you know no lead is ever safe in a basketball game. That's no. what makes the sport great, you know. My my father was always one that was like when I would start a Sixers game or whatever, he would always be like, "Ah, I'm gonna go do something else. Call me when they get into the to the fourth quarter." Then I'll actually, I'll come and yeah, pay. Yeah, no, I mean, I understand that. I understand that sentiment. Uh, but, I mean, there, you know, there is a there's a story that, that unfolds during the course of the whole game. That, that... Oh, I think that it's, it's very much like, it's, it's the same thing like, you know, if you watch a prize fight. Like, it's things that happen in the first first round have effect in round seven, eight, nine. You know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things where it's a, it's yeah. a, a cumulative effect. Uh, otherwise, you know, why would you, why would you have it be four quarters and why wouldn't every sport only be five minutes? Or- yeah. And, you know, like Ben got two, two fouls really early in this game and, you know, he had to sit for a while, but, or, or you know, and actually when he got the second foul, uh, they commented on the broadcast where, you know, he was gesturing to doc, you know, like, I'm fine. Leave me in, leave me in. And I, I don't know, were you watching during this, during the first quarter at I all? I had, um, I think I had the audio on. So the, he said, leave me in, leave me in. And, and and Doc left him in. But on that next play, there was some pretty scrappy uh, defensive chases that he had there that I was like, oh, my gosh, he's going to get called for a third foul. He's going to get right. called for a third foul. And if that happened, I mean, that would have been. That's bad. That's that really changed bad. their three fouls in the first quarter from your all-star. Yeah. And that got announced today, didn't it? It did. I think just before uh, just before game time. I think his performances over the last week and a half have really sort of managed to push him, sure, you know, over the top. I know he, he there was no question. Maybe you know here, obviously he was going to get votes, but I think it sort of allowed him to sort of prove to some people maybe they were on the fence that were were still. Well, the reserves get. Uh, how did the reserves get selected? Is that um, coaches well, vote? Well, if it was coaches voting, then Doc was named the Eastern Conference coach. I guess that sort of helps you out. Or maybe the whole NBA. I don't know if it's half coaches vote, half player vote. Um, yeah, we'll have to ask Jay when he when he rejoins us. I'm not sure exactly how that's all figured out. I I, I know the All Star process. It's fifty percent fan vote. I don't know. It's it's it's some it's some combination here. But with three minutes left, with a thirteen point lead, this should be safe. <laughs> you would hope. Yeah. Um, yeah, you'd hope. Do you think there is there actually going to be an all star game, or is it going to sort of just be a, um, you know, a, a, an empty title this year? Like you are an all star. No, no, I think there will be a game. There should be a game. Why? I mean, why? Why not? I, I mean, I guess partly because then you've got to take like the time off, and then you've got to get all those people to one location. 
Um, although basketball is still playing both conferences. It's not like hockey where they've sort of bubbled within the division. Well, now I have a friend who went to her first, she, uh, she relocated to Arizona. She went to her first Phoenix Suns game when they played the Sixers last week. Oh, wow. Like within, within the friendly Mm -hmm. confines of, of COVID arena. Almost stop. Uh, and they, I mean, they have like 2,500 fans in there and she said it was a great experience. She said the tickets were expensive. Um, of course. Uh, but you know, expensive for, I don't know. Let's, what do you think about it? If, if the Sixers said, okay, we're going to let 2,500 fans into the center per game, what do you think those tickets would go for? Well, I mean, my thought would be that you would, you would sort of go by. And what would you pay? What would they, what do you think they would go for? And what would you pay? I think for that sort of experience, I think I'd be willing to pay like 150 to 200 bucks a seat because you're going to go in there in a much smaller environment just being in the in the center is going to be a much different environment than when it's a packed house gene what do you think what do you think sixers tickets cost regularly well for where i sit they don't cost (laughs) but i guess i was thinking you would go with like sort of like a middle like you know average that to me would be what you would call like the higher uh the you know it's not courtside but you know the higher well, let's just say so. All right, you actually well, want people to show up. Clearly, these seats are going to go to season ticket holders, right? Like that. Yeah. And this, they're not just going to go. Okay, we're going to let twenty five hundred people in. The tickets on sale Wednesday morning at ten a.m. Like that's not going to happen. It would go, and they have petitioned the city. Uh, all all the teams have petitioned the city now to allow. Is it the city or the state? The, they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, petition to to allow limited fans in the stands. So this is probably going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, and I would think they would go to season ticket holders, or at right. least they would have the opportunity, which they're going to get bought up. Whether you're going to go or not, you're going to buy yeah. them. I and then what they are they going to go for in the secondary? Track. I mean, honestly, I think they would go uh, three fifty uh, a ticket. I think that that's probably very reasonable when when when you take those. Th- things into consideration i my my, the other thing is i wonder if there would be a a, a thing with the system where you wouldn't want to necessarily have it go to like a secondary market because maybe you know you'd sort of want to have some control over who is coming into the building i i don't know i mean obviously i guess you're not insisting on covid tests to walk in the door you're sort of hoping that just by the fact that you are keeping it limited you're sort of reducing your risk factor anyway um i i am much more uh optimistic that you're going to see people in limited capacity in a baseball stadium before uh, I think that Philadelphia is going to see people in the Sixers and Flyers. No, I think, uh, I think you're going to see people in the arena. I mean, I think they're just, they're going to get the approval before the Phillies even start playing. Oh, well that would be, that would be, that'd be great. Um, if, this whole thing, it's, it's, it, you, you've got so many factors sort of crashing into each other. You know, this sort of really does enter the, the realm of like city politics, you know, which right. in tr- Philadelphia traditionally can be sort of a, a sticky wicket, as they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know, I know, Cactus League games um, are already. I mean, they're sold out. Yeah, the yeah. whole spring. Yeah, they they got bought up quick too. Yeah, I don't know about Grapefruit. I'm sure that you know Florida's just jamming people in there as much as much as possible. <laughs> Frenchies is going to be butt to butt. <laughs> 
out there in the outfield. God, uh, do you remember uh, when we w- when we were down there? I guess what no five uh, going over there and and and the size portions for those breakfasts they gave us at, <laughs> what, at Lenny's. Yeah, at Lenny's. I just remember <laughs> the amount of. Uh, the amount of potatoes that's like, <laughs> it's all it's all starch yeah it was I, just starch remember, like, I was like my god i think they've just given me three potatoes uh there are eggs in here somewhere speaking oh, of which you see oh. the uh did you see the bryce harper uh picture that that showed up on uh instagram today really yeah he's no, got I, like a phillies fanatic bat well and it made me think of do you remember when there were all those rumors going up to his signing that there's a bat company, I think it's... Yeah, Victory, um, right? Yeah, and they had done a mock-up fanatic bat, I believe, for Bryce Harper at the time, and it was before he signed, and it was like, it went all around the the the, the Twitterverse, and it was sort of like, this is a sign. It means they're building <laughs> these fanatic bats. It means he's really coming. Yeah. You know, I think that it was probably tweeted out originally by John, John Heyman or something, but um, he was tweeting out everything at the time, but it was one of those things where it was another one of those. There was every day you were going through Twitter or whatever, looking for, looking for the, the signs and the yeah, sure, sure. For, for whether Bryce was coming. I don't know if that could have been one of those things where they were just like, Hey, we, we will send him this bat. Maybe it'll entice him to come here. Who knows? Uh, but I, that's was immediately what I thought of, but I, I loved that, that shirt that he had on the, uh, the clear water. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty just, cool. You know, if there's ever been an athlete that just absolutely knows exactly what buttons to push to like get, you know, the fan base sort of foaming at the mouth. So John Clark tweeted that picture, and I, I swear I found the shirt online within five minutes of that tweet going out because I was like, I'm buying the shirt. I'm just buying the shirt. Like, I don't care, whatever. I bought, I, I go, I find it on the Etsy shop and you know, they tell you how many people have it in their cart at that time. So I found it. I feel I felt like I found it immediately. There are already t- 20 people that had that item in their cart, like at yeah. that moment. So, you know, that the Etsy shop is just blowing up. I think it's uh Philly HQ is the uh, oh, okay. is the name of the is the name yeah. of the, the company or whatever. That's like, if you know, you're going to get your shirt's going to get worn by. <laughs> By Bryce yeah, you Harper better stock up like you better stock be up on XLs. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's like if you're going to get a day on Shark Tank, you know what I mean? Yeah. So when mine comes in, I'll post a picture of me like side by side with with Bryce and we can do like a uh, who wore it better. Yeah. Uh, poll. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, is yours coming with extra words or I don't know. <laughs> no. I feel like you're just going to need some filler around it. Maybe yeah, I, I don't need any filler. I got <laughs> enough filler of my, all of my own. I got my uh, I got my Jackie Robinson shirt on today. I was I was noticing that. I hadn't seen that yet. Um. So, oh, it looks like uh, we had. Uh, I thought we were going to get broken into there. Um. I, but- I had this. I had this shirt last year, and somebody and um, we we're watching the the Sixers playoff game, and uh, um, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Al Horford. Uh, had he, he wears number 42 and he had equality on the back of his jersey during the playoffs last year. And the, the person I was w- watching with was, says, I don't know, Al Horford shirt. No, it's not an Al Horford. <laughs> I was like, no, but that's an amazing coincidence. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel like you would have to have something like the, the words would have to be like slowly like getting worse or something i i, I, I <laughs> illustrate that it was actually for al horford 
Yeah, what do we got? We got here over 40 seconds left in this game of the 10-point ten, ten lead. We're, Looks we're like the Sixers pretty the much have this locked up, and we get to stay ahead of the Nets at first place in the uh, in the East. And I know the Nets are locked in a battle with uh, the Kings right now. What's the score of that game? Uh, I don't know. Hey, did you all also speaking of uh, Sixers fashion? Did you see uh, floating around? There was a. I think it's just. A, it might, I don't know if it's an official shirt, but it was a T-shirt I saw where. And you know, this is one of the th- these things that always cracks me up when you get close to March. It was a Sixers shirt, I guess, that was supposed to be for St. Patrick's Day. And it had a shamrock on it. It was like a black oh, wow. shirt, like no. a Sixers logo. It was like, you know, Philadelphia 76ers. But like at the top of it, it had a big shamrock. No, that's so tone. Like who made that? Which is very problematic, I feel, if you're a Sixers fan. That's really tone deaf to it's make like that It's like you shirt. had an Eagles shirt that was surrounded by blue and silver stars. You know, you know, Philadelphia yeah. Eagles. And then like, you know, or, or, or you know. Like I got my orange giant, and blue Phillies hat written in Giants fa- font or something. You know what I mean? Or if it just said Philadelphia football team, I don't know how you could even <laughs> right now. Oh man, we traded our starting quarterback this week. <laughs> did you hear about that, Gene? We did. Where'd Jalen Hurts go? Yeah, no, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Ben, Ben's been knocking down the free throws this year. I'll tell you, it seems like this team in general has been a, a really good free throw shooting team. And it, the nights that it, it's off, it, it's they seem to be all off at the same time. But um, yeah, Ben's been really good at the free throw line. It seems like every time they're listing the the statistic, he's usually. I mean, they got it all figured out. Look, I, Brett Brown goes, Ben. I want you to take. <laughs> I want you to take a, a, a one three pointer a game. He gives him like the double bird. Doc says we want you to hit. Once you get to the free throw line ten times a game, Ben's like, okay, whatever you say, yeah. sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ben starts to average. You know, starts to average a triple double. And his yeah. I mean, but they really have it figured out now. How oh, oh those those two can't play together. It seems like they're playing really well together. Honestly. <laughs> I know, but man, it's like, oh, they, they can't coexist. One of them's got to go. Okay, you got a first place team right now. So. Yeah, and that's the thing that's incredible. I don't think anybody would have thought and or would have been disappointed if this team was like a solid three seed in the East right now. I think everybody would sort of been like, yeah, you know, that's a, sort of about where, you know, or a little above where I thought they were expectation-wise. Um, yeah. But they've exceeded my expectation. But it's it's really easy to do that when you've got, a center who averages the points that he does. Mm -hmm. Um, It it really does sort of put into perspective. When you look at the points leaders and you see a guy that's as big as Embiid, where he sits in terms of the the average per game, it makes you sort of understand the reason why that's so important is because no other team has a guy that big that can do that. So all of your other players that you have on your team that are skill guys and scorers well, obviously, they're they're going to be enhanced by the fact that you are generally the position that is supposed to be the anchor of the defense is also, you know, putting up points at an MVP level. So it really does sort of make you uh, aware keenly, especially if you watch this team, how much it really helps give this team something uh, uh, that is particularly unusual in today's NBA. You don't see mm-hmm. seven foot guys that can put up 50. You just don't. You haven't really seen that since, like, Shaq. And he did it in a completely different way. Embiid is so much closer to a guy like Olajuwon with with his footwork yeah. than, you know, what we had come to know as the the power center 
that we saw sort of at the the the the 2000s. Uh, Shaq sort of being the the guy that was in that mold. Um, he's the last truly dominant center that I think I can remember. Can you think of any other other seven foot guys? Any dominant centers between Shaq and Embiid? Because I, I I I just can't think of anybody that sort of had that ability to take over a game whenever they wanted to. Yeah, no, not at that, not not at this, not at this level. And, and I mean, if you watch the well. Bulls game, the Bulls game was just. It was just insane. Yeah, it, it was unconscious. Yeah, no, it was, and I, think I mean, and the threes and the Euro step, you know, it's just wild, man. Right, right, and that's the thing is, you know, Shaq had particular weaknesses. You could sort of get him to the foul line, and you knew that his he wasn't going to hit nearly as many foul shots. Um, you, you really, you know, you can't foul Joel and expect him not to make you pay most nights. Um. Now look, now look, Embiid did not play well in this game and the no. Raptors really gave him a lot of fits with the double teams and and the the way they space him defensively and and you know Jason and I talked a little bit about that earlier but he still scratched out a double-double. Right. With 17 points and 11 rebounds. And, and I mean to to say like okay, well this was a really bad game for him today. And that's still the production that you're getting. You know, it's pretty good. Yeah, well, that was the thing. And I, I don't know if you, it's something you and I talked about. It's one of those things is like there are certain players that you end up having uh, on your team where you almost get get greatness blindness, um, where you're so used to seeing that player do something that is pretty unusual or pretty extraordinary on a nightly basis that it takes them doing something really, really incredible to sort of make you sit up and take notice. Um, yeah. But when you've got a guy like this, you, you really have to sort of put it into the perspective of we are watching what is probably at the end of the day going to be one of the guys that's going to be listed as a cornerstone of the entire history of the franchise. And well, I was, playing, I was playing 2K uh, with uh, with my son, and we play every weekend. And we, he wanted to play all, all-time teams. So he was the all-time Lakers, and I was the all-time Sixers. Okay, great, good. And Embiid is on that team. Yeah, he should be. And yeah. that's what I was going to say. I mean, like the, the the Sixers, it's not like this is a franchise that has had a bunch of bumps. I mean, you have you have Dr. I got Joe. smoked, by the way. Oh, well, game. I mean, I mean, it's the all-time, all-time Lakers are a pretty that's unconscious pretty team. You should have played, played him as the all-time Bulls. Um, <laughs> I don't think they're good as either as either of those teams. I don't know. Maybe the all-time Celtics maybe could counterpunch. That would be the that. only other team yeah. that – I think that would be the the – the Mount Rushmore of the all-time teams yeah. is the, the Sixers. Next Lakers weekend, you've got to you've got to make him. You throw those two teams out, and you make him. You know, you should try to play like as two as the two worst teams you could come up with. Maybe like the all-time Hornets, all-time Hawks Caval- or something. I was gonna say Cavaliers, but they'll have LeBron. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that's nuts. But yeah, I mean, the Sixers have a great uh, pedigree, especially they have a great pedigree of big men. They had Moses Malone. They had Will yeah. Chamberlain. Um, Happy you know, birthday, Doctor J. Happy birthday, Dr. J. Uh, did you see um, – what's his name? Um, that comedian from uh, – uh, I'm not going to remember his name. He's Jim famous. Gaffigan. No, no. No, he's – I don't know He's got a very dirty mouth. He's got curly hair. Uh, he used to show up on the league once in a while. He's famous for being a trash talker in, in fantasy leagues. Uh, I'm, I'm completely – Oh, Okay. I think I, I, I think I know who you're talking about, but go ahead. Uh, he he did a shout out, like a whole shout out to Dr. J on 
on his birthday. I, I'm not friends with Dr. J on Facebook, so if if that's how I know whose birthday it is. So if if if Fair I enough. don't see in the morning when I wake up whose birthday it is on Facebook, I, I have no idea whose birthday it is. So <laughs> I have to wait until you know who's not on the Sixers all-time team in, in NBA 2K? Roger Bell. Charles Barkley. Oh, hmm. does he show up on all-time Phoenix? Charles Barkley's not in the game. He do, do you think is that like a rights thing? How would he not? He's in the top 50 players of all time. Charles Barkley's not in the game. He's not, and he also doesn't, you know, they um in 2K they do the the TNT desk, you know, with Shaq and all that. He's not in that either. And he said that he will not be in the game until uh 2K donates $1 million to the um, uh, Retired Players Fund. That's what he's holding out for is some money yep. for the Retirement Players Fund? Yeah. He could make that on the golf course like next weekend by betting uh, again. Look, I don't yeah, – you have to take it up with him if you got a problem with his his stand on this, but he's certainly – I had no idea he had a stand on this. I, You know, actually, I do kind of respect that. You know what I mean? Maybe I'll make him my uh, – what do they call that? My role model. Sarah asked if TJ Miller is the one you're – referring to no no sure. not tj miller but that's a good guess <laughs> a carrot top no it what? would be better if it was carrot top, <laughs> if carrot top was a big sixers fan sixers hanging on to a six point lead here with 20 seconds left yeah i know as they just try to bleed every ounce of my I mean, my lord it's really just making I, the, the raptors you know my my son hates the Raptors more than any other team in the NBA. Well, that makes he sense. He doesn't know the Celtics hate yet. No, he hasn't had a chance to – I mean, there have been reasons, but if there was a team, if I was your son's age, that I would hate, it would have to be the Raptors. I mean, that's the team that did the dirtiest deed. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it last week. I don't want to revisit it, but, like, that broke yeah. him that night. Right. Well, it broke Joel, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> This is my son and Joel. Yeah. They were they were bound by by salty tears. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what growing up, like what teams, you know what I mean? Like there was no and I am a, a connoisseur of teams I'm supposed to hate. You know what I mean? I, I knew mm-hmm. those things very early. But part of that was the way I was raised. My father used to like constantly sort of remind me of who my different rivalries were, you know, and remind me of who I was supposed to hate. Now, interestingly enough, being that I was born in 1980, the Royals used to show up on that list. And when we would talk about baseball, um, because they had been in the World Series in 80 um, and uh, a lot of my dad really hated the Pirates for some reason, but they used to be in our division. Um See, it's weird to me that, that, you know, I think the Celtics and the Lakers rivalry is very unique uh, because it's it's hard for me to have a cross-conference r- rivalry. You know what I mean? Right. Like cross-conferences uh, because you really only time that it means anything is when you're playing for a championship. And the Celtics and the Lakers were just playing for it so often right. that – they have a rivalry, and that's that's pretty wild to me when you talk yeah. about, you know, like Boston and, and New York, you know, in baseball, it's like, yeah, of course, you're division rivals, uh, but, you know, it's like it would be like saying, you know, I don't even know who it would be, Yankees, Dodgers or something. Um, yeah, which it just doesn't it, – it just doesn't have that same, same bite, you know? It was Yankees-Braves for a while in the 90s. Yeah, they certainly did seem to sort of have a mutual – Hatred, but and then you know, well, baseball is different. You don't play in the regular season and stuff. But back then, you didn't. Back then, you, <laughs> you do now, which is sort of why the Phillies 
could have had the potential to have a, a decent rivalry with, with Baltimore. They do have sort of a, a storied history. They played each other in the World Series in 1983. They do play each other pretty often now in interleague play, but Baltimore is just awful as an organization that it's never really taken taken hold. Yeah, what do you think? You think you would call this an ugly game, Gene? I Mike, call huge, Mike D but... says it's an ugly game. I, I think it did turn into an ugly game. It started out like a gem, like I thought we were going to coast, and then in the second half, it did get kind of ugly. I don't know what – I mean, do they tighten up against the Raptors or something? I don't know. Yeah. I... It's the cold Tampa air. That's probably it. We all know that Philadelphia teams play horrible in Florida. Let's let's be honest. Tampa. We talked about our rivalry with Tampa before. I have yeah. bad juju with Tampa, even though our you know spring training is right right outside there. Um, I did remember as I've gone through that city. I've been through there a couple of times in my life. You do sort of get a cold chill when you come through, and not you know like a spooky chill as you come through the airport. Maybe the, the Tampa airport. Haunted. Yeah, maybe the whole town's haunted. I've never been to the Tampa airport. You haven't? I went to a wedding once and had to fly in through Tampa and then rented a car and drove out to the to where the wedding was. I'm MCO every time when I go to Florida. Well, yeah, I've been through Jacksonville's airport, too. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. Beautiful city there, Jacksonville. Uh, yeah, you know, parts of it were nice. Great, uh, some great Waffle Houses. <laughs> So I can say, oh my gosh, this game's still on. Yeah, no, <laughs> we've increased our lead at least. Yeah, no, I mean this game's over. Doc but... Rivers has come on to the to court a couple times to end this game. <laughs> what a Just nightmare! Kidding. This game was not on anymore. I I want the last forty minutes of my life back. <laughs> <laughs> I I was listening to you guys, right? So. Um, and that's I, what you want the last 40 minutes of your life back. I agree with you. I agree with you entirely, Gene. Um, I, I've been calling this, uh, Milwaukee with palm trees all, all week. <laughs> so it appears that the game is now over, at least from what I get. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. That's why I'm here. Uh, um, the game, the game has, has finally Finally, I'm pretty sure the last 90 seconds of game time took uh, yeah, that was excruciating. five years of my life. I think I am now five years older than I was um, 90 seconds of game time ago. Yeah, somebody just said we played in overtime uh, within that fourth quarter. Credit Toronto. They, they have no incentive to make it comfortable. For the Sixers, it was a 15-point lead with like three minutes left, I think. And and Toronto was like, yeah, no, we're just still going to make your – it's the torture chamber. It really is. It is. We're not, <laughs> you, we have no reason to let you out of it. The Iron Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> My Lord. All right, I, I, I'm gonna, go ahead. Uh, when we see Doc uh, Rivers come up, we'll have to, we'll have to go to that. But, um, okay. But th let's keep talking. Uh, yeah. that was, uh, yeah, but that an important good. win though. This is an important game though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps absolutely. us ahead of, it keeps us ahead of the nets who look like they're going to win in, in, uh, at home against the Kings. 
and this clinches the season series against the Raptors, right? Yeah, I I think it's also important to just finish it off and not let the Raptors um, stay rent-free in your head uh, <laughs> like they seem to be. You know, I heard you guys talking about Joel and B like, you know, two games in a row, you say, this is as bad as you ever see him play right now. And the guy still has, uh, I think he had 18 points on 13 shots. And the other night, as bad as he played, six for 20 from the field, sounds terrible, but he averaged 1.2 points per shot tonight. It's going to be more like 1.3, 1.4. It's really wild. 18 to 12, and you say, that is the worst game he's played all year. Right, right. It's, so you guys were right. I was I was listening to you. I thought it was very good. Uh, you you you nailed it. Um, just wow, wow. I I think I've forgotten everything that happened before the last ninety seconds of the game, though. I think it was so long ago. It's like Nick Nurse held up one of those things that they have in the in the Men in Black thing, and it was like, here, everybody, forget what you you've been watching, and now let's make a run yeah no it's funny when we came on for the show back 50 minutes ago it seemed like a lifetime ago uh i was super excited i was all energized like what a fun what a fun game to come back to uh after this the the the the horrible sunday we had and then it just i don't know it spun out hey here i i was listening to you guys talk about how much you'd pay to go to a uh, to an arena to watch a game uh i would pay $250 $250 to have been able to leave an hour ago. <laughs> That's so Gene, I will give you 250 that you can spend on tickets to go see this team in Philadelphia. Um, if I could have the last hour of my life back. Hey, if I could make that happen, I think I'd probably take that deal. You all for $250, you can make an easy $250, create a time machine, take me back an hour. And also, Make this game have ended an hour earlier than it sh- than than it has. See, here's the thing, though, Jay. <laughs> the real reason I would want to do that is because I have been itching to have my odds increased at catching a T-shirt in an arena. I have a lot oh, of up to do in that front. I was once uh, struck in the face by a T-shirt gun uh, and knocked over my seat. Um, so I, I truly need to make amends for, for that. Performance. I bore witness to that event. Well, Hey, I'm going to take my headset off. I just re- uh, realized you guys won't hear the press conference if this headset's on. Oh, okay. Um, so t- I mean, what do you think? Do you think outside, I'm going to take the nets out of the equation for, for a minute. Are the, are the Raptors the worst matchup for the Sixers right now outside of the nets in the East? It, it feels like it to me. The thing I, I always go back to with the Nets is I still don't know who they have that can actually guard Embiid like for over the course of a series. Like, like, do they have a true good matchup for Embiid? You know what I mean? I feel like you can sort of use it Simmons to shut down one of their big three, um, you know, and sort of play. Uh, pl- uh, please put shut down in air quotes, right? Shut down. Yeah. <laughs> Contain or whatever. Um, yeah. But. You know, it feels like this Toronto team just there are just more more bad matchups all the way around that they can sort of throw at the Sixers, which is why it seems like they they sort of struggle against them. Uh, you know, and I, like Jason was saying, you know, maybe there is sort of a mental 
issue that they need to overcome. And hopefully this was making strides towards doing that. Uh, I'm hoping that somebody else who is a much better matchup for this Raptors team knocks them off before we'd ever see them in a playoff series. But yeah. And now, uh, Mike D saying the Jazz, but yeah, out in West, there's all kinds of matchup oh, problems for us out West with the with the Trailblazers and Blazers uh, are real bad and match. the Jazz. Uh, you know, and I, I, the Lakers are no cakewalk either. But um, yeah, I think I think get, navigating through the East, it's really going to be all about the the Nets. I think. Yeah, and I think that you need to keep yourself in position to be that one or two seed because I think the other thing that's going to be important is being able to play in Philadelphia longer than you would have to play on the road. Now, I think the Nets have a um, a better chance of things uh, spinning out and becoming drama more so than the Sixers right now. I feel like the Sixers are um, a little bit ha- – have have more stability. There's less of like the prima donna aspect. I think there's less – I think everyone is like really stabilized with the Sixers. At least that's the way I feel like chemistry-wise – yeah. Um, I mean, the Nets really have figured it out, but I mean, that chemistry can can change pretty quickly, as we've seen with um, Kyrie Irving teams in the past. Well, I think that the, the Sixers have sort of know their roles, and I mean that in the positive sense of the word. Um, that they've sort of settled into what they do, and they they know what strengths they have, and it's gotten to the point where now they they're starting to trust each other more and more every every week. So. Um, yeah, it's it's it's been fun to watch this team sort of grow and change. Um, I'm excited every time I get to see them take the court because usually I see something different. Um, and I'm excited to see what they can do against the rest of the East. I think that there's no team that they can't, you know, give a run. There's nobody that I'm I'm I'm terrified of. There's nobody that I don't that yeah. I wouldn't want to step up. There we go. Let's go to Doc. Hey guys. Um... Coach, we're going to go to Kai Carlin with the first question. Go ahead, Kai. Before we start, I just want to uh, send my prayers out to Tiger Woods and and his family, man. Like, um, it means a lot to a lot of people uh, for a lot more than just sports. Um, man, I don't know how many balls this guy can take, uh, but he's a tough kid. Um, always has been. So just want to send that out. Uh, all right. Hey, coach. Um, does it seem like the Raptors, again, just sent like a bunch of aggressive double teams towards you well, but even though he only shot three for 13 and I think he only had like one or two assists, it just really seemed like he really made the right decision. Out yeah, of that. He, he did overall. I thought down a stretch, uh, we got a little loose with the ball, but overall I, I was fine. You know, but, you know, it, it's a great example. I and mean, we missed some, again, some great shots. Uh, but I thought we had a chance to have a high scoring night with him taking the ball out of Joel's hands. And, you know, it's almost like what we talked about earlier in the year when, you know, I think we had 121 game and Ben didn't take a three. And we're like, go, Ben didn't take a three. Like tonight, we had a score 120 and Joel was whatever. We still got to 120. And sometimes that's how you have to win. Um, I thought our guys overall played great. I thought our defense uh, was probably top two or three of the year as far as sustained defense through the year, uh, through the game. Uh, so I was really proud with that. Um, you know, the turnovers hurt us. They had 18 of them. Uh, they forced 18. But overall, I thought Joel was great with the ball, made the right decisions. Uh, we made the right decisions. Um, that's how you win games. And then overall, real quick, for Khan, uh 19 points, maybe we'll bust out of his slump. Uh, what's that say yeah. about him and his mental toughness? Yeah, you know, it, just with the starters, he has to do less, which allowed him to do more. You know, he didn't have to put the ball on the floor as much. He didn't have to 
uh, you know, the game, he allowed the game to come to him. Oh, Trapman, Ben, or, or Joel, one of the thoughts before the game, if Seth can't play, who's our next best spot-up shooter? And and and Ferk was the guy, and so he really came through for us. Thanks, Coach. We're going to go to Paul Hedrick and then Jackson Frank. Paul, go ahead. Hey, Doc. Uh, Shake hit a couple really big shots down the stretch. Just um, how big is it for you to have him back just in the in the lineup and able to play him? And then how do you think he looked uh, with that, that, that lineup with the starters out there? It looked good. I mean, because he's another guy. The way Toronto plays with the trapping and all that, you need a, we needed another guy that can put the ball on the floor and make a play. Uh, and that's why we kept Shake out on the floor. And I thought he handled it pretty well. Thanks, Doc. Rich, you're Hey, Doc, I know you said that you thought Joel made the right play, but but 18 turnovers, um, is that just a matter of, like you said, how Toronto was playing and can other teams? Well, I, I would say four or five of them came down the stretch, you know. Um, so I thought that was more helter-skelter, forcing turnovers, and we didn't handle that well. But through the game, if you go through the first three and a half quarters, uh, I thought it was a pretty low turnover game, and I'll take the way that we played there. I didn't like how we closed the game out. I thought we kind of let up, uh, made some really some bad plays, uh, bad turnovers, careless plays. So I didn't like that. But overall, you know, you'll read the 18 number and we look at that. But in the, the meat of the game, we didn't turn the ball over that much. And so I'll, I'd look at that more. Uh, I noticed out of a couple of uh, timeouts, you, you did run plays for Tobias. And I mean, that's something you do a lot. But was there something about, you know, how Toronto was playing that you thought that was the right call tonight? Yeah, they didn't want to switch with Joel. And the guards were able to fight over, but not with Tobias. And with his size, we thought he can get in the paint and make plays, and he did that. We're going to go next to Mark Narducci and then Keith Pompey. Mark, go ahead first. Hey, Doc, can, can we just get your reaction on Ben making the all-star team and Tobias not making it? Yeah, I was really happy for Ben. I I, I didn't think it was, you know, it, it, I guess it was, I don't know, I didn't think, he, I, I was pretty positive he would make it. Um, I think, you know, coaches look at the whole game. You know, they look at all the things that Ben does. It's funny, every coach I talk to, like literally every Eastern coach I talked to when I said, hey, I'm calling on, on, on behalf of Ben and Tobias, and they were like, Ben, why are you calling about him? You know, it, it was funny how they looked at it and how the outside world looked at it. So I thought that was interesting that um, I was pretty confident. I told Ben, there's no way you're not on. Uh, and I was really hoping for Tobias. I, I do believe he deserves it. Uh, he's been an all-star player this year for us. Uh, we have the best record in the East. And because of that, uh, and the way he's played, I thought he deserved to be on it. Um, I think we, we have to keep analyzing, you know, how guys get numbers and how and, and how much they affect winning. We've got time for three more guys. It's going to be Lauren, Keith, Jackson. Lauren, go ahead. I'll actually withdraw because I was going to ask about Ben, and I thought I lowered my hand. Sorry. Fair enough. We'll oh, I'm fine. <laughs> you know, uh, Keith Jackson and David. Uh, um, Doc, in, in regards to Tobias, I mean, when we talked free pregame, you know, you talked about as one of those things you may be disappointed for a day, but you come back, you know, you come out and play. I mean, you have to be happy with his performance, you know, coming off of this. I mean, yeah, he played he's, well. He's as mature as anybody in our locker room, um, including the coaches, you know. 
Um, he's just a mature kid. Like he, he clearly wanted to make it, and and I clearly wanted him to make it. Um, but the best way to handle the disappointment is go out and show people you can play. Go out, get twenty-three points, seven rebounds, and five assists, uh, two block shots. You know, that's what Tobias has been doing all year, and. You know, maybe we, we keep winning and, and go win the whole thing, and then next year he will be on. So sometimes um, you make the, you play and make it the year before you make it. Uh, hopefully that's the case for him. Thanks. Uh, you know, Jackson and David real quick. Jackson and then David. Jackson, go ahead. Hey, Doc. Uh, just following up from kind of what we talked about pregame with Ben's kind of new, different role offensively, how would you assess how they kind of adjusted and playing in that in that new role this year? Uh, I thought he wanted to do it right away. You know, you can see that what we told him, like, we're putting the ball in your hands more. We, you, need, you, you could tell he wanted to do it right away. It just took, you know, a, a couple of weeks for him to see what we needed him to do. Uh, I think he knows exactly now, uh, and he's doing it, and he's been great for us. All right, last one to David Melander. Hey, Coach, how does it feel to end your four-game losing streak on the road? I didn't know it. So, I guess now that you said it, I guess I'm happy, but I didn't realize that we had uh, lost four in a row. So, I, I, I mean, I really don't. I don't look at that as much as you guys look at it, and you should. I don't. Um, I just judge on how we're playing. Uh, I thought the other night we played terrific and gave the game away down the stretch. I thought tonight – we played through it, tripping through the game. So this is a tough one. You you lose that first one in the uh, two game series um, on the road. Winning that second one's hard. So I was really proud of our guys tonight. Thanks, coach. Thanks. All right, there we have it. Uh, Doc Rivers has uh, has spoken. We'll get some players, probably two to three players. You guys know the deal. Thanks for everyone who's joined us post-game. This is an extension of the Potadelphia podcast, one of my favorite podcasts on the Painted Lines YouTube network, uh, probably my favorite. Um, so we, we, we're doing a little bit of a crossover. We've got uh, Dave and Gene from Potadelphia. They sort of led us into this post-game. You guys, take it back. What, what are your thoughts? This is maybe your first time being – being on this side of it uh, during Doc's uh, post game, I know you guys watch it probably quite a bit. You watch the games. Uh, what are your takeaways? Uh, yeah, I just thought it. You know, uh, really no surprises there. Um, you know, amazing support for Tobias, and I thought it was you know the make it before you make it season for for the All Stars. I think is pretty. Um, is pretty spot on there, and and I, I hope uh, I hope his uh, uh, prophecy of just go ahead and win it all, and then you know get that get that notoriety, and then make it next year uh, comes to fruition for sure. Yeah, I agree, and and uh, you hear that quite a bit, and and the All Star Game, to be fair, happens mid season, so it really should take into account that the second half of the previous season, plus the first half of this season. That's not how it's often thought about. I think narratives in the NBA tend to get written in the first month um, and then reinforced or undermined after that. Um, but I, I think, like you said, Dave, earlier, 
uh, it's hard to argue that he should have taken spots from from a couple of those other guys. So, Gene, what are your thoughts? Well, one of the things I wanted to, to sort of bring up was um, I think it's interesting how different Tobias just even seems from last year to this year. I think that there you can't separate the change in the coach from his sort of change in play. Uh, the other thing I wanted to sort of comment on was a lot of a lot of talk about Ben Simmons and sort of finding his new role in the offense. And Jason, I wanted to ask you, do you mm -hmm. think that you see him sort of settling into this sort of new role? Do you do you see anything different in what he's been doing? I honestly do think that there's a lot of correlation between how he's played the last ten, two weeks, three weeks, as to how he ended up getting into the to the All Star game. And I think that that's a credit to his own play. He he had a career high uh, himself just uh, just a few weeks ago, and. You know, he's becoming more and more consistent. Certainly, he's still, if not the best defender in the NBA, certainly in the conversation. Um, so what do you, what, what was your takeaway on, on some of the, the feedback that we got about his new role in the offense? Well, I think it's a different offense. Um, I thought it was an interesting comment. Uh, I think that those first couple of weeks, he was very uncomfortable with the way that teams were game planning him, they were walling him off. I've probably talked on this, on your podcast about it. The, the book was out on what to do with Ben. I think it was the secondary action, the secondary and tertiary actions off of creating that downhill pressure, which he's always done. That has changed, right? Where guys move to, how guys move off ball as that's happening. I think he has become more comfortable with what to expect and what to do uh, when the defense collapses. Um, so I, I think a lot of what um, Doc said is just how, how coaches think. There's just no doubt in my mind that when opposing coaches build a game plan to stop the Sixers, number one on the list of, of what to do is how do we deal with Embiid. And number two, always, period, is what to do against Ben Simmons. And then it's the, you know, how much of that um, can you get away with doing one thing to solve both problems? Or do the solutions to each of those problems, one and two, create a bigger nightmare for the other one? And that's where the two of those guys go from being just all-stars that get knocked out in the second round to having a chance to win um, win the whole thing. Tobias Harris, to me, is number three very clearly. And I think the coaches around the league just feel that way, right? When they game plan, it's, look, we'll live with a 23-7-5 and five game. Um, so I don't know. I think Ben has taken a huge leap. I think he's walking – off the floor now um on the defensive side just his command of the game but offensively it's i don't see the huge leap maybe that is being talked about in the last couple of weeks in fact the last two games i i i i just think taking only three shots in the second half on sunday night is just can't do that you're dominating the other team creating so much havoc to build that lead in the in the first half um 
to take one shot in the fourth quarter the other night. You just can't have it. Um, and you made the shot, but I want to see you go one for six a couple of times. Yeah. You know, and fight through it. Um, so I, you know, I maybe I'm harder on uh, on him than people, or maybe my expectations because of what I see every night are higher than what I think he can do. Justin, uh, Justin is here with us. So we've got sort of this is truly a crossover episode, right, Justin? We <laughs> oh, got yeah, you we, and I on post game, and, and we got Dave and Gene from Potadelphia. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What are your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the whole game, like at least the whole second half, to me, it felt like we were down, but we weren't. <laughs> like well, the whole, sec- the whole second, way, yeah. Then, then I'm pretty sure the Sixers have been uh, down for three years. I think it took three years. Yeah, it, it it's just like the whole game we were up by like a solid like ten to fifteen points and like just the whole second half it felt like we could not get the ball moving on offense. We couldn't generate open looks. It was just it just it didn't look great. Uh, obviously, it doesn't help that MB just had an off night tonight. Just wasn't hit, couldn't hit his shots. Um, and that's gonna happen. He's not gonna be perfect every every day. Um, but with what you guys were just talking about, Ben Simmons is—I honestly don't think he's doing much different than he has in the past. I think just think it's a different difference in like mindset more than it is offense for him. I think at times he's learned that it's okay to be a little bit more aggressive, and I think that's been like the uncomfortability in his play at points is like because he looks so much to pass and get his teammates involved in the offense, he just doesn't think like okay. Well, I'm six ten, six eleven, and I can drive to the rim and go go over go over the top of somebody. Instead, he's looking to pass when he gets a little bit of pressure on him, uh, going into the going into the paint. So it's, I think it's I think the biggest difference in his scoring uptick lately has just been his mindset of being like, okay. I'm going to be more aggressive more often than he used to be. It doesn't seem like he's generating different differences in like how he's getting those. If you know what I mean. But, can, um, I, yeah. can I ask you guys a question? So there's a lot of talk about uh, Kyle Lowry and a potential trade. Um, what would that do to the offensive Ben Simmons? Jason, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to? Yeah, I don't. I I, I don't love the fit, honestly. I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm I with you. Care. I don't. <laughs> there's like this groundswell. Well, of course they move for Kyle Lowry. I'm like. I don't know. I watch this team play offense and defense every night. Where, where does he? Yeah. Where does I'm he stand? You. Where, where does he stand? And when he's got the ball, where does Ben Simmons stand? Yeah. And it, and, it just doesn't make it like if you you could convince me that, like I still don't love this move, but you could convince me that Buddy Heald would be a decent. Like you could convince me that. If you were like, hey, this will add more consistent shooting, like you could convince me that. But the Kyle Lowry one, like, like I could see if okay, we're having a trouble guarding like guarding people that are guards. I could see if we were having trouble with like like that's really it. Cause otherwise, like what is he what is he gonna do that's different than what we already have right now, besides maybe shot creation right. at the end of games. But in my opinion, you already have a shot creator at the end of games. You have Joel Embiid. If you want to go out and get somebody else who's maybe able to consistently go on the outside, go out and get a different guy. Like you don't, you don't need to have that much. You don't need to put that much draft capital and that much money into a trade uh, to get a guy who can shoot a little better from the perimeter um, at the end of games. Like you can go go grab a Wayne Ellington who's like real cheap, 
You can go possibly trade for a JJ Redick. And if you want to make a big move with that kind of money, personally, I would re- much rather you go try to get a guy like Zach Levine. Like oh. I would, I would much rather you do that because offensively, completely, it makes sense. Then because you have a guy in Zach Levine who can hit his open jump shots, you have a guy who can play off ball successfully, cut to the rim, can play somewhat defense. Like overall, just the fits better. So personally, for me, I'm with Jason on that one. Kyle just doesn't make as much sense to me as much as our man Brian Jacobs likes him. Yeah, it's it's not like you just you get you get eight guys and you you throw them in a stew pot and and the best eight guys beat the other team's best eight guys. That's just not how schematic um, team sports work. It's just not how it works. It, it's do you he, think they think well we need another point guard so we'll get the point guard. It's just it's not that simple. Do you think that the the perception is that you can't have a a seven foot center be your your go to guy at, at at the end of games? Do you think that that's just sort of how NBA fans perceive <laughs> the game? Is that that that doesn't that doesn't jive? That doesn't make any sense? And that it's sort of there's sort of like a dissonance between basketball fans and the fact that like with our own eyes we can see that that if you need a shot at the end of the game, you need to go to Embiid because he's the one most likely to hit it. Yeah, I, I need, I need to go this, on this one, Jason. He, he, that, that is one of the things that makes me so annoyed about, about the NBA right now is everyone's mind when it comes to shot creators at the end of games goes to, they need to be able to hit deep ass threes or need to be able to hit off dribble shots up behind the line. That's, you don't need that. Like, Yes, that is awesome, amazing to have, but if you have a guy like JoJo who can shoot over anybody's head in the mid range, and and and mind you, he, I think I think more of the issue with that people have had with Joel Embiid is that he hasn't been consistent enough in those regards, in the mid range shots, in the pull up jumpers, in the inside. This year has been the first year you've really seen a, a balloon in that where he's been hitting it at a higher clip. This, so I, I personally, where Embiid is right now in his game, I don't think you need that that perimeter. And I do think it uh, it is kind of a mindset that NBA fans have right now that it just you need to have a guy like Kawhi Leonard who's who can go on the inside, hit the mid range shot, hit the three pointer. And also the fact is, JoJo can hit threes. Like I mean, mind you, he's not the guy like ideally that you'd want hitting shooting threes, but he, he can do it. Like we've seen it happen. So it's just, I, yeah. So here's the thing with Kyle. Allen. Here's, here's what, what is so great about him is, is made him such a fantastic player for so long. He is, you know, he's six, three, but he is just built like a tank and he is able to, if he gets switched on to a big man, He's just got that low center of gravity and enough gravity to not get you killed. So he really helps a team that is worried about getting switched to death um, until you get a mismatch, a big on a on on a guard. Uh, on the other end of the floor, it's the same thing. He can post up, slight of build guards, take them down into the woodshed. And and make them hurt uh, and hurt teams down low. This is all great stuff. None of that applies to this Sixers team. None of that applies to like, okay. And if they had that, 
magic special sauce, they would now be a better team. They would be very marginally better on certain possessions. All right, we've got a player looks like Furkan, Furkan Korkmaz. Uh, it's always Thanksgiving on, uh, on the Paint Alliance because we are serving turkey every night. I, I hate that that has not become your catchphrase. I don't love it. I hate it. Come on, Jason. Be better. Furkan, how did it feel to heat up so early and then be so productive, especially in that first quarter? I mean, for me, that was a good challenge today because uh, I needed one of these games, uh, last four or five games. I was struggling. Uh, we can definitely say that. But uh, that today, he trusted me. He gave me that confidence. He started the game. And then I think uh, I did a good job. And then for before the game, we learned that Ben was named an all-star for the third year in a row. So what has it been like to be Ben's teammate this year? And, and what do you think makes him an all-star? I'm so happy for him because I see his growth on the court, off the court, especially he's more mature now. He knows the game more. Uh, I'm really happy for him because he deserves it. I know he's going to be there until his career uh, is over. Uh, I'm really happy for him. Thanks, Fred. Next, we're going to Martin Arducci. Hey, Ferk, you talked about you had been struggling. Just how tough has it been to go through, you know, the last six games, which have really, really been difficult for you? I mean, yeah, uh, everybody has some ups and downs in their careers, but uh, sometimes just two games, sometimes like four or five games. Mine has been a little bit long, longer than that. So, But I've been through this a lot in my career, so uh, I just need to find out how to get away with it quicker. You know, uh, I'm trying on the court, off the court. Uh, I just been working hard, and then I knew that it's going to come, but I just didn't know when. Uh, today, I hope it's a good start for me, yeah. Next is Kai Carlin. Hey, Ferg. Coach was talking about how it was a lot. Um, there was less for you to do with the starting unit, which allowed you to do more. Uh, do you feel like maybe when you're coming off the bench, there's a lot more pressure on you to do more offensively, and maybe that affected your snap a little bit? I mean, I will say this. With the first uh, unit, we played different basketball. With the second unit, we played different basketball, especially with the first unit. We create more threes because Ben is in the game, Joel is in the game. With the second unit, we don't create that much threes. Uh, we are trying to play like driving key games and everything, but at the end of the day, we don't take that much threes. We don't create it. I think uh, that's the biggest difference, but uh, for me, it doesn't matter coming off the bench, starting the game. I just need to be uh, responsible responsible of my job. It doesn't matter if I start or not. So I just need to keep doing more to Thanks, Let's go to Austin Krell. Hey, Farrakh, um, the first quarter you have four of your five made threes um, there. It kind of felt like, this, you know, in this game in particular, you, your off-ball movement and relocated, relocation around the court was um, improved from seasons past. Do you, did you, have you, you know, done any kind of extra work on, on, on your off-ball movement to sort of get those better looks than you were in the past? I mean, I've been watching a lot of tapes. I'm trying to watch other shooters, you know, how they get in the position, how they move the game. Uh, but especially, game is so easy when you play with Joe and Ben because uh, they open the court a lot for you because teams need to help them more and then uh, you become more open. So it's it's easy to get those parts when you play with them. All right, we're going to do these last three here. Sean, David, Serge. Sean, you go first. Hey, Farkan. It felt like this was a game when you guys kind of had them at arm's length but were never able to fully put them away. What do you think was the cause for this? And even down the stretch, why was that happening? 
Uh, I think uh, this type of games when you play against Toronto, you know, they play hard. They're a good team. They have a good team. And then um, just go. Don't get nervous. I got nervous. No. <laughs> All Star is here, you know? Uh, they have a good team. They have a really talented team. Uh, after losing the first game, this game was really important for us because we got to get the confidence back. We know what we can do. But after the first lose, we just need to react. And then he reacted to me. Right. David and Serge, bang, bang. Go ahead, David. Can you talk about some of the challenges you guys are going through this season is playing the same team back-to-back? -back, and then how does it feel to end your four-game road losing streak? Uh, first of all, this season is not easy because nothing is normal. Uh, I think that's the fun part about this season. But we all know we are playing for the championship. We don't, we don't need to look at opponents. We just need to be ourselves every day, every night. And then uh, we just need to keep focusing on how we can get the championship. Uh, but like I said, this season is not a normal. Serge, go ahead. Merhaba Furkan. Merhaba. Nasılsın, iyi misin? İyiyim, sen nasılsın? İyilik ya, ne yapalım? Furkan, iki soru. Aa, tabii ki pazar günü maalesef ilk dakika oynadın sadece. Dakman konuştun mu? Hani son uh, 4 saat falan. Çünkü hani psikolojik açısından bayağı kötü bir durum. Ve ikinci sorum şu. Uh, Türkiye Eurobasket 2022 kafa olacak. Uh, senin için nasıl bir duygu? Dakta konuştum. Zaten bana sürekli inancını dile getiriyor. Bana güvenliği sürekli söylüyor. Bugün de maçtan önce onunla konuştuk. Beni başlatmak istediğini söyledi. Ben de olabildiğince sadece performans göstermeye çalıştım. Tabii ki kolay değil. Az oynuyorsun, çok oynuyorsunuz ama günün sonunda Ramazan'ın kazanmak üzerinde iyi performans göstermem de. Milli takıma gelecek olursak bence maçları da seyrettim. Takip etme elimden gelebildiğinde geldiğince. Çok iyi oynadılar. Onlarla gurur duyuyorum gerçekten. Keşke orada olabilseydim, onlarla beraber sahada olabilseydim. Ama e, neler yapabilecek, neler yapabileceğimizi, neler yapabileceklerini gösterdiler. Bizde veya bizsiz. E, bence o takımın çok büyük potansiyeli var. Umarım en kısa zamanda milli kavramına kavuşturmam. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Guys, we're going to have Ben coming up right up here. Um, let's see some hands. And Patrick, can you just hit the unmute? Sorry about that. Not bad. There you go. Oh, you're good. I did it on mine. All right. Uh, Benny, first one's from Lauren. Hey, Ben. Doc just told us that when he called other coaches to talk about All-Star, that there was never really a doubt that you were going to get voted in this year and that you've built up a respect around the league among coaches that they just consider you an All-Star now. What does that reputation mean to you? Um, I think that means more than, you know, fan votes and things like that, personally for me, just because, you know, they, they see the game. They know the game. Um, they're coaching games every night. You know, they see the talent out there. and There's a lot of talented guys out there. Um, but I'm a type of player who can do a lot of things on the floor. Uh, I'm glad, you know, a lot of coaches appreciate that and see that. Thank you, Ben. Congrats. Thank you. Got uh, Jason Blevins. Hey, Ben. Uh, Doc just said it early in the season. It took you a few weeks to really see what they wanted you to do. Uh, you you were getting into the teeth of the defense really from the from the first game. So how subtle are those? nuances as far as where your outlets would be where your where your threes were going to come from Wait a minute. Can you one more time? so 
so Doc said it took a couple of weeks at the beginning. Yeah, of the what's, what's, what's your question? Wait, like, how subtle are the differences with your outlets? Like, in terms of finding my guys? Yeah, finding your guys. Okay. Um, I mean, it's different every game, but I, I keep encouraging my guys to fill the corners, um, play with pace, uh, and and just keep moving. That's one thing we one thing we try to do a lot is keep moving. Um, so I mean, you know, every game is different depending on you know the matchups and things like that. But um, you know, I'm still trying to find my guys every night, and and you know, I'm, with the space we have now, you know, Seth, Danny, Tis has been shooting the hell out of the ball, uh, Furcon. Um, Guys just playing really well, so they make it easier for me. Uh, you know, I'm still trying to stay aggressive and find them when I can. Thank you. Go to Jackson and then Paul. Hey Ben, uh, Doc talked pregame about how you know he thinks you're being used more as a as a screener and dribble handoff guy compared to previous years. Do you is that a fair assessment? How do you kind of feel you're adjusting to maybe a, a role more as a as a guy who's screening and, and doing the triple handoff, how do you kind of feel like that adjustment is coming this year for you? I'm just a player. Um, I try to read the defense. If I see you know, a mismatch, I try to make a tough one of them. Um, I feel like my IQ is pretty high. You know, I play at a high level with my IQ and just trying to make the right plays every every time. Uh, and then, you know, obviously defensively on that side, trying to do my thing. Yeah, I got three more. Paul, Mark, Chris. Paul, go ahead. Hey, Ben. Uh, Doc said that it was, for you guys, your second or third best defensive performance of the season tonight. Um, would you agree with that assessment? And what do you think was kind of working for you guys tonight? Um, I think overall, you know, we were we held the intensity to a high level. I don't think it was our best game defensively, one of our best. Uh, we lacked a little bit in the third and fourth, but, you know, we, we stuck with it. You know, Toronto is always going to be a team that stays around. Um, you know, they fight nonstop. They, they, never, uh, they never give up, so. Uh, for us to stay locked in, we knew it was going to be a challenge, um, especially against you know a championship team. Like that. Thanks, Ben. All right, Mark, and then Chris. Hey, Ben, um, could you just give your reaction on on what it meant to you to be to be an All Star? Yeah, um, it, it means a lot. You know, it's a blessing. Uh, you know, I don't take it for granted. Uh, there's a lot of talented guys out there. I think um, you know the mentality I have every every season I'm coming in trying to win. Um, and, and everything else will take care of itself. So, you know, I don't go for individual accolades unless it's defensive player of the year, which I think, you know, which I want to get this year. And I think I'm, I should be up there for that. Um, but I want to compete. I want to play against the best players every night and, and show why, you know, I'm in this league. Can I have a quick follow and just your thoughts on the lift that FERC gave you in the first quarter and the game? Yeah, he was huge. Um, you know, we, we, we expect, uh, you know, great games from FERC. You know, he's, uh, he's, his IQ is actually very high on the floor. Um, you know, offensively, he's gotten a lot better um, finishing through contact and getting to the rim and obviously knocked down shooting. Uh, so he's been great for us. And defensively, he's been great. I think, you know, he's taking the challenge. Of, you know, last season, guys were going at him um, and, and trying to, you know, pick on, pick on him a little bit. Um, but, you know, they're not doing that this season. Um, he's really stepped it up. All right, we've got time for one more. Chris Krause, go ahead. Hey, Ben. Uh, last week, uh, Bradley Beal talked about how um, there's guys around the league that aren't really sure about the All-Star game particularly because there's not going to be fans there. It's not going to be the same experience. Um, now that you've been selected, are you, you going to go? What do you mean? Are you, you going to attend the All-Star game? Yeah, I got selected. 
<laughs> I believe the NBA is going to make it very safe for us, and they're not going to put us at risk to you know get sick or anything like that. Um, this is my job, man. It's my job. I love what I do. I'm gonna be there. Thanks. Cool. Appreciate Thanks. it, man. Um, so we will have tomorrow's schedule for you as soon as possible, guys. Uh, appreciate you joining us. All right. So, um, Dave and Gene, Dave, uh, you definitely know what I mean by that that last hour because I think I've kept you guys like well over a half hour longer than your normal. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just sharing my pain. Um, hey, if you've been listening to our show for any length of time, you know that <laughs> no strangers to the 90 minute podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you've uh, been good. watching any Sixers watch parties and or post game shows, you, we we are not strangers to being on here for four and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, final thoughts, guys. Thank you for everyone who has who's joined. Uh, love the comments. Um, I know Justin right before Ferk sat sat down. You said you hate the catchphrase. Should I retire it? <laughs> nah, nah, nah. You're good. I'll, I'll bring it. I'll, I'll put it on a uh, twice a month rule. I can mm, you already, you already done that. I think you said it twice already. You said it last game. <laughs> my two for February. I'll see you in right, March. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> my God. Uh, Gene. Yeah, man. Uh. First of all, you could, you should be able to use that nickname anytime you want because if you're if you're saying Furkan's name, that means he's probably oh, no, no. really well. No, um, it's, the, it's the Thanksgiving joke. Oh. I can say <laughs> well, maybe it's coming up on on Canadian Thanksgiving. I, I have no idea when that. I, I feel like that's, that's in the middle of the summer. I think. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, listen, the one thing I wanted to say was I thought it was interesting that that Ben does seem to sort of. Uh, make it his carrying card that he wants to be defensive player of the year this year. And, uh, you know, that's sort of the thing that I, I want to hear from him is that he's, he's putting a lot of uh, a stock in his, his own defensive ability, because at the end of the day, even if your shots off, you can still, you can still play with that sort of defensive intensity that you want to be the defensive player of the year. And uh, there's not any coach that's going to be like, well, you know, you should tone that, that defense down, we could really hope we'd really rather you be a revolving door under there. Um, so, uh, you know, that's one of those things that you, you know, even when I remember when I was a kid, they, there was never any coach that I ever had that ever was ever was like, you know, Hey, yeah, let's try some of that soft defense, you know, just, you know, so I, I'm excited. Also, and Gene, you, you played basketball with me. That's, that's most of, most of the defense I played. Yeah. I was like, yeah, let's see if you can shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if you try to drive on Jason, forget about it. You're, you're just dead meat. Um, the ball's going to be going the other way real quick. So, uh, yeah, but uh, that excites me. I, I certainly think it's, you know, he's sort of got to, you know, when he said that he's aware that he's sort of now been an all-star and it's, it's sort of an expectation maybe. Uh, but he, he doesn't seem to, to not appreciate the moment. And, uh, hey, he even said he's he's ready to attend. So, um, you know, it'll be, it'll, it'll make it worth watching now that I know I've got, uh, I got two Sixers, uh, on the squad to keep my attention. Yeah. I, I found his, the, the question I, I asked him, I, he, he gave me the answer without sort of 
declaring it, but I, I, now that I think about it, a lot of his pick sixes early in the season were his outlets were um, technically corner threes, but they were very close to the break point. So, so where that, those, those sidelines turn into the arc and um, those are easy to jump. I have noticed in the last two games, certainly the corner threes they're taking are right near the baseline, which is almost behind the basket. Yeah. And that just that extra few feet, I think, creates an easier outlet uh, once you're all the way to the rim. It's a much easier outlet. It's a higher difficulty shot, but it's much harder to um, jump that passing lane because it's just it's just so much deeper. The so, other thing that sort of sparked in my mind was just thinking back to last year, how many games you know, even if there were guys that were getting into those corner positions and Ben was finding them, how often that was uh, Mike Scott instead of Seth Curry. You know what I mean? I think that there's a big difference in the personnel that certainly I think helps Ben's confidence to know that he's he's throwing out the guys that are going to knock those shots down. And, um, you know, there's, there's something to be said for having the team created around him to sort of have that be a successful a successful offense. Yeah, and you see the same thing with Joel, to be honest, as well, because he is, and he said it multiple times in the past two years, is like he feels like he has to put so much offensive energy on himself because when he passes out to people, they're not hitting shots. Like, like, and he may not have said that straight up, but well, he, you can tell. he has said that straight up. Okay, maybe, okay, maybe he <laughs> has. But like, my point, my point with that is like, you look at like, even like, the best year that we've had before this year was when you had guys like Marco Bellinelli and Yersani Ilyasova out there that they could pass out to because they had a big man who could shoot and they had a, a guy who could run around and shoot the pill as well. And so it's like having Seth Curry out there, Danny Green, both guys you could trust, plus having Tobias out there. It's just, there's a trust that comes with it. And a, a star player can only do so much in what their – at what they're stars of. So, like, obviously there's some star players in the league that can do everything. Well, Joe specifically does well in the paint. So does Ben Simmons. So if you have role players out there that can shoot, isn't this crazy? We have role players that can shoot. Um, but if you have those guys that can shoot, it's so much more relaxed and you, you can trust your teammates more. And I think that's what you see with both players now. You see that with both Ben and Joel, that you, they just feel like they look more comfortable on the court. They don't look like they're rushing all the time or that they're heaving up bad shots. I mean, at least that's what I see. And conversely, it's a team where a shooter can flourish. When you look at a player exactly like Furkan Korkmaz, who we just heard from, yeah. you know, he's he's reaping the benefits from all of that paint work that's going on. So, um, yeah, it works yeah. both ways for that. I said I said a similar thing about about Tobias real quick, Jason. Sorry, but I said this said this a similar thing about Tobias Harris is like last year and years with Brett Brown. Like I think a big reason why he struggled so much is, and I think this has been talked about, but he was put in a role that he just was never used to before. When he was put in a role as like had to be the best three point shooter in the starting lineup, and that's just not what he is. He, he's not a super like high volume three uh, outside scorer. It's just not him. So now that you have those three point shooters, like you said, that thrive in this offense, that takes the weight off of Joel, off of Tobias to have to make three pointers, to have to shoot them at a higher rate. I mean, I don't know what Tobias's numbers are in comparison to this year and the last year on how many three point attempts he's taking per game. I, I, but I would be surprised if it wasn't significantly lower. 
And that's I, because you have those other three point shooters. Yeah, I can I can look it up, but I'm not going to because Dave, you're gonna you're gonna bring it home on Potadelphia. You're gonna take us home, take us out. All right. Thank thanks everyone. Uh we'll be back next week. Uh we'll be talking about the Wentz trade, uh some more Sixers action, you know, Flyers. Hopefully they get back to the winning ways. Uh, so if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you, or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, also, be sure to check out the Painted Lines and follow them for all of your Philadelphia sports coverage. Um, we'll be back next week. So until then, have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here.